Excuse me. Beginning in verse number 1, talking about Jesus, the text says that he entered again into Capernaum after some days. It was noised abroad, or it was noised that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together, and so much there was no room to receive him, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. I, I want to look this morning at a reused title, but a completely different message when Jesus is in the house. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit, for your presence in here this morning. God, even as you move, Lord, there's not a one of us in there that can't just say amen. Lord, God, every one of us here has seen you do amazing things. We see the evidence of your goodness all over our lives. We've seen you answer prayers. We've seen you move mountains. God, we've seen you break chains. And Father, and, and, and as the children came and ministered to our heart and your sweet Holy Spirit moves, Father, just thank you for your presence. Thank, thank you, Jesus, in the house. Lord, I pray you'd help us, Lord, as we look here at your word, Father. I pray you'd help us to be, to be one in spirit. One in body, one in worship, God. May we, may we lift your name. May you be pleased with all that we do. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. <coughs> Amen. So, about a week and a half ago, I've told you guys before, I like riding and talking with the Lord. And I was riding and talking with the Lord. And, and to be honest, I was, I, was talking, I was talking about this church, and that's not uncommon. Um, number one, I'm usually always talking about a message because I will drive home today talking to the Lord about Sunday's coming. I know that really may not be much to y'all. Y'all got an excitement Sunday's coming, but to me, it's, Lord, what do you want your people to hear? What is next week? That message was preached. What, what is Sunday? So it's always my conversations uh, in a large part to the Lord are about this church. They're about this people. They're about your burdens. They're about your sicknesses. They're about the marriages that are in trouble. They're about the families that the devil's trying to destroy. Most of my conversations to God involve this church and the people of this church and what I want to see God do in, in, in this church. And, and I, I, was just, I was just telling God some things. I was just telling God things that, that mattered to me. I, I just want to see us worship. I want to be able to see us just come in here and do just like when these children sang or even that song. I just want to see us be able to just worship. Leave the stuff outside. Leave the junk outside. Leave all just worship. I just want to see us be able to come in and just and, and, and God be pleased with everything we do. I just want to see God praised and in the name of Jesus exalted, lifted on high, and the Holy Spirit moving here among his people. I want it to be a place where we come in here and we are restored and we're, and we're strengthened and, and we're touched by the hand of God, comforted when here. I want, I want church to be a place that, that, that we come in here and, 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 and we're, we're elevated in our spirit. I want to see all of us grow in the Lord, grow closer to the Lord, grow in our relationship with the Lord, grow in everything that has anything to do with the Lord. And, and I want to see all of you blessed. I want to see God literally open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there be not room enough to receive it. And a lot of that falls on us. God's not waiting on us to bless. I mean, we're not waiting on God to bless us. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to get some things right so that he can open the windows of heaven. He's waiting on us to get some things right. He's waiting on us to learn some patience so that we might move out of that storm. He's waiting on us to, to, to learn some things that he set before us so that he might move us into the next step. 
I just want to see God move. I, I want church to be a, a place that we look forward to coming to every week, that we're excited about coming here and we're excited about the opportunity to worship and we just can't wait to gather again in one and see God move. And, and so I was talking to God about these things and God laid this verse on my heart right in the middle of while I'm talking. He entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noised that he was in the house. So what that tells me is if I want to see those things happen, I just need to make sure Jesus is in the house. And so I'm, I'm riding like I usually do. I get my phone and I hit my notepad and I'm, I'm voice texting and talking into my phone and putting things there and, 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 and studying. And, you know, I'm, I'm positive that everybody's heard this before, but, but I'm going to read it anyway. The woman was very poor. She hadn't been to church in years, but she decided she wanted to go. She didn't have much. Her clothes were old and outdated. For the most part, they were worn out. But she put on the best she had. She fixed her hair. She tried to look the best she could, not for people, but for the Lord. It says that as she approached the church, she saw all the people dressed in such splendor, not a stain, not a tear in their clothes. And the preacher and the deacons all stood at the door, and they welcomed people as they entered. She began to walk up the stairs, and one of the men stopped her and explained that we have a dress code here. Explain clothes must be pristine and sharp to, to show respect to the Lord. It amazes me how they always plug that in. I've heard that my whole life. I was supposed to dress respect to the Lord. So I guess that means I disrespect the Lord if I take this off. I'm sorry, y'all forgive me. I just can't. I don't dress this way because nobody needs to. This is just, I guess I've had legalism instilled in me so much that I can't do it different. Thank, thankfully, those of you aren't, aren't bound in that legalism because it ain't necessary. It, it's just, it doesn't determine worship, and here it does. So at any rate, they, they stop at the door and say, we have, we have a dress code. <laughs> the story says that, that he turned her away. Dejected and embarrassed, she left and sat on a nearby bench crying, trying to compose herself, wondering why would a church not accept her as she is? She sat there on the bench crying when Jesus himself sat down beside her. He put his arm around her and said, don't worry, my dear child. They wouldn't let me in either. Mm. If, if we're a people of love and, and compassion, then we'll be a people pleasing to God. And if we're a people of love and compassion, everybody matters. Every Christian with a burden and every lost person on the way to hell. Everybody matters to Jesus. But if we're a people of love and compassion and people matter, when we gather together, Jesus will be in the house. One of the things that I see here in the text, that, that Jesus is in the house, and so is everybody else. Because Jesus is in the house, the place is packed. Now, this isn't the who's who of Capernaum. This isn't the, 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 the city officials. This isn't the millionaires. Although we do see some of the religious elite will show up here in a minute. But this, 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 is just, this is just people of the town. This is, this is broken people. This is hurting people. This is sick. This is people that needed to get to Jesus with a burden. This is people that needed to get to Jesus with a problem. This is people just like you and I. This is people that got up this morning that the world wasn't perfect and all the bills wasn't paid and there wasn't a lot of money in the bank and somebody was sick and somebody did need help and somebody's marriage is struggling somebody's children are prodigals. This is people with problems and they just wanted to get to where Jesus was. 
when I read a story in the Bible, I can't help it. I, I always find myself trying to read, blind, read, read between the lines. There's, there's always more to there than what meets the eye just scanning through. Listen, reading the Bible through, congratulations again to all of you that completed last year. Reading the Bible through in a year is awesome. I'm glad we got to do that together. But, but reading the Bible through in a year and, and studying the Bible is two different things. When, when you scan by, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm pretty sure it's every one of us, that at some point we read something that, that you're like, yeah, I don't really know just exactly what that meant, but I don't have time. I got five minutes of reading left and four and a half minutes left to finish it. I got to finish my reading. So, so there's things there, but, but for me... Um, I, I love to study what it doesn't say. I, I love to try to look but between the, the lines. It's probably good for me. I see things sometimes in the story that either the Bible doesn't tell me the answer or I don't see the answer. And those are the things that are good for me because that's the things that drive me to study. That, that's the things that want to go and look the other way. But there's a couple things here that got my attention about this story. For one, Mark doesn't tell me what Jesus taught. It says that he preached the word. He, he just taught. Now, I, I got to thinking. I said, okay, well, in, in Matthew chapter 5, it says that Jesus was there, and he called his disciples, and they began to teach him. And, and then after verse number 2, you start the Sermon on the Mount. It says that Jesus taught, but all of chapter 5, 6, and 7 is all written in red because it's Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, and it's all the preaching, and it's telling us what Jesus taught about. Mark told us in chapter 4 that he began to teach by the seaside. In verse number 1, there was gathered in him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, and he sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. So we see how Jesus understands the principle of acoustics from the water. And anybody that's ever been on the water knows exactly why he got in a boat and pushed out, because the water is like a megaphone, and it carries it. And so Jesus pushes out, and then the Mark says in, in verse number 2 that he taught them by parables. And then we go on, and we have have the parable of the sower, which is a great lesson for us. And we have the parable of the mustard seed. And so we have the things that Jesus taught. And I'm very thankful that we do because there's nothing like being able to read and learn the things being taught by the master himself. Oh, it's awesome to have 13 letters of the apostle Paul, the epistles that he wrote. That's awesome, but Paul's not Jesus. It's awesome to have the letters by Peter and the Gospels of Mark and the Gospel of John. It's incredible to have those things because the Holy Spirit penned those things through the hand of men as, as the Holy Spirit moved upon men and, and wrote those things. But it doesn't matter what man wrote it. It's not Jesus. So I'm very thankful that, that we have the things that Jesus taught. But right here it tells me that he, that he taught, but it doesn't tell me what he taught. Well, here's what that tells me. That means the emphasis must be on something else. He taught them the word, but he didn't what? So, so what is it that I'm supposed to see? Well, chapter 1, Jesus has called his disciples. He's, he's cast out a demon. He's, he's healed sick. He's done a lot for the multitudes. And then here in chapter 2, the, the, the fame is spread so rapidly that he comes back into Capernaum in the house. And, and there's no room left. The, the door is jammed, the windows are packed, the yards are full, there's people out into the street, and, and nobody can, can get up close. They're just trying to hear what Jesus is teaching. So, here in our story this morning, the whole thing centers around one fact. Jesus is in the house. That's the most important thing in, in all of the Scripture. Even though Jesus taught, and he taught the Word of God, it doesn't tell us what he taught. It emphasizes that Jesus is in the house. 
And because of that, there's this crowd of people that, that's gathered around. This is a story where we have the four men that, that brought their lame friend on a bed, and they're carrying him, and they're, they're trying to get to where Jesus is, and the house is packed, and they, they, they can't get in. And so they make their way around, and the way those houses were situated, they probably got on a roof of a few houses down, and they've walked across the roofs, and they, they've gotten up on top of this, and they, they've torn a hole to, to let their friend down just to get into the presence of Jesus, just to get to where Jesus is. They lowered him down, and Jesus heals this, this, this crippled man on the bed, and we do it right here, and he's alive right here on the place. And, and even though Jesus is in the house, are you ready? There's always going to be opposition. Even with Jesus in the house, there's always going to be those who grumble. There's always going to be those who complain. There's always going to be said wasn't done right. It should have been done differently. There's always going to be those that, that have their opinion. There's always going to be those that just have to be heard. And most of the time, it comes from the holier than thou's. Most of the time, it comes from the religious crowd. And that's what we see here in the text. When Jesus is in the house, there's going to be conviction. When, when you get around the presence of the Holy Spirit and you've got known sin in your life, you can't be around the presence of the Holy Spirit and not have to deal with it. So when Jesus is in the house, there, there's conviction. When Jesus is in the house, there's going to be division because Jesus is always going to bring in the truth and Jesus is always going to bring in the Spirit and there's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree. So here in our text, we see the religious people, verse number 6 of Chapter 2, there were certain scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. And Why don't this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Immediately Jesus perceived in the spirit they reasoned so within themselves. And he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to save the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But so that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And immediately arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Here's the problem with the religious elite. Here's the problem with, with those who technically, literally, have what would be a modern-day doctorate program, doctorate degree. Here's the problem with them. They are very educated men. They have studied the Scriptures their whole life. They know it is their job to copy the Scriptures. I'm not going to get into that long term, but the scribes are the ones who had to take the perfectly white sheepskins and prepare a sheepskin, never, never touched by a Gentile, and prepare it. And they're the ones that had to prepare the special ink and the other ink that can only be used to write the name Jehovah. They're the ones that had to clean their stuff, clean their clothes, and before they could even write the name Jehovah, get up and go and purify themselves and change their clothes because the name of Jehovah was so and so strong and spiritual and holy. This is the people who had to keep the law. It's their, it's their job. They are professional interpreters of the Mosaic law. They are the authority among all of the Jews on all historical and doctrinal matters. They are the teachers of the law. To them, it's their job to teach the gospel. 
to them is, is their job. And, and, and even the scribes, each one of them, they even all had their own disciples that, that followed them around. Now, here's the problem with, with the scribes. Here was the problem with the religious elite. They knew all about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. See, there, there's a big difference in being spiritual and being holy. There, there, there's a big difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. There's a big difference in knowing about how to be saved and actually be saved. So, so here we have this religious elite, and they, they, they have made themselves enemies of Jesus. They, they sit in judgment of Jesus about everything that he says and, and everything that he does. They, they knew the Scriptures better than anyone else around there except for Jesus, of course. But they knew the Scriptures better than anyone else around, but they missed the fulfillment of the Scriptures in Jesus Christ. See, we have to be careful that we don't know so much that we grow dull to the reality of it. We have to be careful that we don't grow so busy in the work of the Lord that we forget about the Lord of the work. That we get so busy trying to do the Lord's work that we forget that it's really all about people. We, we, we have to, to be careful. They, they knew exactly what the Scripture said about the Messiah who, was, who is to come. Yet they missed the coming of the Messiah. They knew what the Scripture said. They just missed the one that the Scripture is talking about. So the dissension among the scribes here towards Jesus, Jesus said to the crippled man, your sins are forgiven. To them that was blasphemy because they didn't see Jesus for who he was. They said only God can forgive sins. That shows us they did not recognize who he is, God in the flesh. God, the second person of the Trinity, so they knew about him, but, but they don't know him. But then Jesus makes a statement, and, and I'll be honest, this, this closes the door on another of the false religions of the world. There are a lot of false religions in the world today. There's a lot of false teaching. Anybody ever heard of a place called purgatory? It's a lie. You know that place where you die, and if you didn't have it right, and you go in purgatory until somebody gets together and prays your soul out of, out, of, out of purgatory, and you wind up in heaven, you'll spend all of eternity in hell waiting for that prayer. You, you know, many of the Catholics, and Catholics are very broad denominations, so I'm careful now. Some actually preach the, the, the cross and preach Christ, but the, most of them don't. The place where we're going, don't. Uh, Catholicism is a big deal, and now I wish I had time. I don't have time to take this team, but I could take you to the temple and the shrine, and you see all the, the silver hands. That's the people who can't afford much, and the gold hands and the gold hearts. And What you have to do, you have to take your jewelry to represent what it is that hurts on your body, and you carry it, and you offer that to the temple, and the Lord will heal you for that. I'm, I'm sorry, that's not grace. They're, they're also, you, your priest has to have $100 from you in his pocket. Because what happens if you haven't been to confession in a while and confessed your sins and had him pray for you, then if you die and he has your $100 in his pocket, then he can pray away your sins that you hadn't had time to confess and get you into heaven. Listen, that's lies from hell. That, that's lies from the devil. The devil wants us to believe that. The devil wants people to believe that. Jesus said there in verse number 10 that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. If our sins are going to be forgiven, it's got to be while you're still on this earth. If you're going to be saved in this life, it's got to be before death. See, once we're dead, it's too late. At death, all decisions are final. Destiny is sealed. The Bible gives no hope to the lost on the other side of the grave. 
but on this side of the grave, everybody has, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your sins shall be erased. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. You will be cleansed in the blood. You will have a seal upon your forehead that the demons of hell can't touch you. You will have a new name given to you by the Son of God himself. But that's on this side of the grave. There is no hope on the other side of the grave. That ye may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said, sick of the palsy, I say, arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. Immediately arose, took up bed, went forth, and uh, went forth for them all, and so much they were all amazed. They glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. I, I, I want to point out the fact there that, that getting to where Jesus was didn't come easy. When those four men got there with, with their friend, it, it looks like everybody else in town is, is, is already there and because of this great crowd of people. There's no way they can get to the house. They could have been discouraged. They could have been. Here it comes, man. This is 2024. This is us to the T. They could have been worried about what somebody else might say. Oh, yeah, peer pressure. King of the hill, ain't it? They, they, they could have been worried about all the unnecessary work or all the things that happened. They, they could have told their friend, look, man, you see the crowd. Hold your head up. Look, I know you can't get off the bed, but look at the crowd. You see who's there. Man, we can't get there. I wish we could, buddy. I really do. I know if we could just get you in the presence of Jesus, I, I know he could do something. He could do something about your legs, man. I, I, I believe that, but, but, but look at the crowd. There's just no way we could get there. Maybe we'll come back and try again another time. They, they could have been discouraged and just, and just stood out in the street. But when Jesus is in the house, it doesn't matter what it takes to get in. It's worth the trouble. There's something else in the story that it doesn't tell us. And I'm kind of surprised it doesn't because to me it's a bit of a testimony of who we are. Now, for those of you who need to go to the bathroom real quick or check your Facebook page, this is a good time because this is Yanceyology. This isn't scriptural, so this is a good time to buy a vowel. But in, in Yanceyology, this, this, is just, this is just me. It doesn't tell me, did they go back and fix that roof? I know you're thinking that's trivial. Well, it's not to me. Well, 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 well my deal is my testimony matters. Y'all agree? You agree your testimony matters? See, here's what I believe, and that's why I say it's Yanceology. The Scripture doesn't tell me, so you can do whatever you want with it. You, it's okay. I believe they fixed it. I don't believe it was worth time to, to print it, and they didn't put it in. I believe probably after they probably jumped off the roof, catch me, and they caught them, and they got with their friend, and they all ran, and they rejoiced, and came back, and maybe even a little bit later in the day, Mark says that Jesus went back out into the wilderness, and he taught, and all the crowd gathered. I believe that that lame man that got healed went back with them. I believe all five of them went back and fixed the roof. And the reason I believe it is because I think our testimony matters. And I think if all you did was got there and tore a hole in the roof, you see from the Pharisees, it doesn't matter how great a thing God did, those are going to condemn them because of the things they condemned Jesus, they'll condemn you. And if you tore a hole in Peter's roof, well, I say Peter, theologians believe that's Peter's house that he's at, but if he tore a hole in the roof and they didn't fix it, what do you think the people around are going to say? Well, they came and brought him in and Jesus healed him and they left a hole in the roof. They could have at least took time to fix the hole. 
Y'all, y'all, y'all live the same world with me, right? So I, I don't know. I don't know. That's not some theological, doctrinal thing that you've got to know. I just, to me, I can't help it. That's one of the things I'm studying and I'm looking and I'm looking. I said, like, I wonder if they fixed the hole. See, we're accountable. If you're a Christian, then you're accountable to live Christ-like. Oh, I know it's Sunday morning, and we're all cozy and fuzzy, and I don't want to get all up on nobody's toes. But if you claim to be a Christian, you say you go to church, act like a child of God at work on Monday and on Friday night, don't be in places you shouldn't be. I just believe testimony matters. So at any rate, it's, 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 all, it's all free. Our text is about verse number 1. This is what Jesus said. This is when I'm talking about people. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about burdens. I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about God moving. I'm talking about God using us for 2024. I'm asking God to pour blessings out on this group of people. I'm asking him, what is it, God, that you want from us? What is it you need? How can we be the church that you can use, God? How can we be the church that makes a difference? How can we be the church that can change our surroundings one soul at a time and make a difference in Troop County that trickles all throughout the world? And that's what I'm talking about. And, and he says it's noise to brawl that Jesus was in the house. He, he, he's in the house. So, so what that tells me is the most important thing that's got to happen is Jesus has got to be in the house. It's all about Jesus. Well, here in our text, Jesus, he's been out in the, in basically in the wilderness. <laughs> and, and he comes back in and there's not like this month of advertising on the radio. It's not like there's television commercials or, or billboards talking about Jesus is going to be in the house. It's not like they use all of our social media and everything that's out there and TikTok videos and Jesus is coming. We're going to have church on such and such a day and Jesus is going to be in the house. Make sure you're there. You didn't have any of that. It seems as though Jesus has been in the wilderness and he just kind of vanishes and, and he gets back to the house. He comes back into Capernaum and he's there, but it is noise that Jesus is in the house because people told people. People told other people. Who told other people? Who told other people? Who told other people? This isn't our little thing to have. Our job is to tell people. Our job is to tell people about Jesus. See, that, that's how the gospel Works when, when Jesus is in the house, God's people are excited about it. When Jesus is in the house, demons have to flee. At the very name of Jesus, demons have to flee. The Word of God tells me that. You got something bothering you, you got something riding your bike, you got the devil bringing up your past, you got the devil dragging junk on you. In the name of Jesus, shut your lying mouth and get off my back. Because at the name of Jesus, demons has got to go. You've got power. Listen, you're no match for a demon. You're no match for the devil. We're nothing. We're little peons. He is a magnificent power, but he's nothing compared to our God. And in the name of Jesus, he's got to leave you alone. You're a child of the king. You've got a seal on your forehead. And when you call out the name of Jesus, the devil's got to go. So in the name of Jesus, demons has, has got to flee. But, but, but at the name of Jesus, we, we see lives change. In the name of Jesus, we see souls saved. It was the name of Jesus that I reached out to to save my soul. Anybody here got saved in the name of Jesus? Well, if you didn't, we need to talk right after the service. Because if you get saved in the, in the name of Jesus, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. So, so when Jesus is in the house, we, we, we see chains broken. We see broken relationships mended. And, and we see God's people worship. 
that when, when Jesus is in the house, you see hopeless situations become hopeful. When Jesus is in the house, you see where, where, where there seems to be no way. All of a sudden, there begins to be a little glimmer of light. When there seems to be no way, there comes a peace beyond understanding. I still don't see the way, but I have a peace that I didn't have a while ago. When, when Jesus is in the house, things change. And when we've been in the house with Jesus, and he's touched our heart and touched our spirit, we can't help but go out and tell somebody about it. So I was studying the message, and I'm putting all this together. And, you know, sometimes we overthink things. I, I, I know I do, but <clears throat> sometimes I probably try too hard to, to overteach things and to try to add into the thing to Scripture because all that really matters here in the verse that, that Jesus gave me right there was it was noise that he was in the house. So out of all of it, all that really matters is that Jesus was in the house. And I remember the message from about 10 years ago. I was preaching a revival over at Reverend Simpson's on the other side of town, and, and Brother Terry Barnes was preaching with me. It was one of those messages, you got, you got two preachers. Brother Terry Barnes, a pastor of Rocky Mount Baptist over, over off Hillcrest Road. <coughs> he preached on this passage, and I started remembering his message. Because what Brother Terry Barnes preached about was Jesus is in the house. And, and, and he, he didn't... He didn't Get all off on setting the scene of Jesus in the wilderness. He, he didn't spend time building the story about the lame man that brought the friends in. He didn't spend time talking about the Pharisees and how they came against Jesus and how Jesus put them in their place. He, 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 didn't, he didn't spend the time setting this stage. He simply said it was noise that Jesus was in the house. And if he said it once, he said it 50 times. And here was the deal. It started out that reading the text and Jesus was in the house. And then he walked a little bit and he said, I said, Jesus was in the house. And he just kept getting a little louder. Jesus was in the house. And he kept getting a little more animated, and he kept getting a little more excited. And when he did, Jesus must have come in the house because everybody else started getting excited. And, and he, he didn't try to put a bunch of fluff. He didn't try to bring a bunch of Scripture. He nailed it down to all that really matters is Jesus is in the house. And I had the good fortune of getting to preach behind him after he got Jesus all up in the house. See, sometimes we get so caught up in details, all that really matters is Jesus. In that day, Jesus was here in the flesh, and he physically walked into that house, and his presence was there. Today, if Jesus is going to come in this house, he has to live inside of me. It's up to me. It's up to you. It's up to us to bring Jesus in the house. It's up to us to bring it in in a mode of worship. And if we come in here to worship, he'll be in the house because he lives in me. Church isn't about who's in whose seat. Church isn't about who's got on what or what song did we sing or did, did we get the right stuff. Or is it, church isn't about how many are here or how many is not here. 
It's about all the ones that are here worshiping. It's about the ones that are here are we making, making everything about Jesus. It's about singing songs to Him. It's not about how good we sing. It's about who we sing to. It's not about how good we sound to, to those around us. It's about how pure do we sound to the one we're singing to. When, 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 we, when we come in, it, it, it's about worship and, and adoration. It's not about all the stuff. Don't raise your hand, but um, anybody wake up this morning with a demon in your house? I'm not, don't point at your wife or your husband. <laughs> or your child that didn't want to get up. And they didn't want Cocoa Puffs, they wanted Fruit Loops, and you're out of them. And by the time you got to church, you're ready to strangle somebody. And as if it wasn't bad enough there, you know you got behind the same one I did. It was driving 35, and you're still wishing you'd run them off the road. Because you were late, and you knew it, and apparently they weren't, or either they didn't care. They must have went to one of them 11 o'clock churches, but we got to be here at 1030. I know y'all left in plenty of time, but next time, wait 15 minutes later and get there like me and hurry, fly. We, we, we wake up with, with, with demons in the house. We wake up with trials and tribulations and personal struggles and stuff. You ready? And we bring it in here. We, we didn't have time to get here 20 or 30 minutes early and go down to the rock altar and spend some time praying in personal self-preparation to get myself ready to come in and worship. We came in here on two wheels to drop the children off and hope they got to the right place and somebody just take care of them before I kill them. I'll be back to get them later, maybe. Now, I'm going to set my pew. Bless me if you can. That's reality. That, that's, that's life. But if we can come in and, 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 and turn all that off. Whew. Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me and just help me right here. Everything I went through, I got here for one reason. That's to worship you. That, that's, just, that's just to make things a, a, a about you. You know, I've said it before. If we just forget about all the stuff. If we can just put it all off, if we'll make it all about him, he'll make it all about us. If we, if we make him the capital letter priority to everything in there, then, then he will come in and, and, and make things about us. Now, I'm, I'm done, but I want to share something with you because this was after the message. I put all this in. I, I want to share something with you to help us remember how quickly we forget. I told you last week, sometimes the Lord gives me a title, and it starts with the title, and the message pyramids under it, and sometimes the Lord gives me a verse. And a message is built around a verse, and all the things, and when I get through, I look for a title. Well, I went through, and I, I, I'm finished with it, and I'm, I'm going to do a title, and I said, when Jesus is in the house. Man, what a, what a great title. It can't get any better than when Jesus is in the house. And I type it in my computer, and guess what? It's already there. When Jesus is in the house. 
I have a lot more on my notes than I used to because I type so much of the message out now. And, and although I throw all this with the handwriting and all the paraphrase that, thank God, you, don't, you, you, you have to suffer through, but all my rabbits and all that stuff, they're not in there. But the titles are in there, and, and the main outline is in there. And, and I realized that in 2020, I preached a message when Jesus is in the house. How many of you remember COVID? How many of you had it in the past week? But not like what it was then. Y'all, y'all remember six weeks of church doors being closed? Y'all remember six weeks of video church? And, and couldn't come to the house of the Lord and, and couldn't worship? Well, well, I actually preached that at, at the end of that. When, when, we, when we come back together. And I pulled up my notes. And, and this is what I read from the notes. <laughs> to these men... It didn't matter that there was only one entrance open into the church parking lot. They were just thankful that an entrance was finally open. It didn't matter to them that when they came in, there was a team of people in the parking lot telling them where to park in every other space. They were, and they didn't get to park where they wanted to, where they usually do. They were just thankful they got to park in the church parking lot. It didn't matter to them that they had to get out of the car as a family unit, as a family unit, come across, come straight into the church, and come sit down as a family unit. It didn't matter to them that they couldn't congregate and, and share in the parking lot and congregate on the porch and in the foyer and, and talk in fellowship. It didn't matter to them that when they came in, there was a team of people who ushered them down and the building had to be loaded. Every other row was closed, every other section off, only one family to the pew that was there. It didn't matter to them that the building had to be loaded from the front to the back and then unloaded from the back to the front to cut down on people walking by people. All that mattered to them is they finally got to come back into the house of worship. It didn't matter that pews were were, were blocked off. They were just thankful to be able to come into the house of God and sit because, because Jesus in the house, these men weren't going to be deterred by anything. They just wanted to get back in and be in a place of worship. Sorry, guys, this ain't going to sit well in the video world, but I can't help it. 35 to 40 percent of pre-COVID church members still have not returned to the house of God. I'm thankful for video church for those that, that need it. But it's detrimental to those who are abusing it. Because you may sit out there and see the fire, but you can't feel the flame. You can watch a fire on TV all the time, and it looks pretty in the fireplace, but it don't warm you one bit. And what it's doing is robbing from the fellowship. And, and, and we, we remember when COVID hit and we were devastated. Whoever closed the church? Well, I learned back in World War II it happened again. It wasn't the first time that the government ever asked to close. But, man, if we could just get back in church, right? Well, if we could just get back to the house of God, I can't believe church is closed. And I can't go there on Sunday morning. Well, we can now. Where are we at? And now all of a sudden, here we are, three and a half years later, right back into trivial pursuit. Right back into wondering, I wonder if they fixed a hole in the roof. Right back into wondering, I wonder why so-and-so didn't speak to so-and-so. I wonder why so-and-so is wearing this, or I wonder why so-and-so did, did that. And how quickly we forget 
how easily things could be taken away. <laughs> a, a, a little bug, granted that bug killed thousands and thousands of people, but a little bug closed the house of God. It, it stopped gathering. Do you, do you not realize how close we are in this country to the government being able to shut down whatever they want to? We take so many things for granted. We, we have such liberties and such freedom. And really the only thing that really, really is important is when Jesus is in the house. And if Jesus is in the house, I'm going to want to be in the house. And if I come in and I'm excited and you're excited and we come in here and worship, we're going to want to go tell somebody. We're, we're, we're going to be inspired to go out and, and tell people about Jesus. Well, there, there, there's only one way to make sure that Jesus 